Welcome to Mind Body Health today, everybody. My name's Cobb. I'm engineering in the studio with Dr. Marvin Trotter here joining me. And what I'd like you to know is that support for KZWAX comes from our members in Mendocino Solar Service License 536983, locally owned and operated celebrating 25 years serving the community mendo solar has completed over 400 installs in and around mendocino county more information at 9371701 or mendocinosolar.com with that welcome dr marvin trotter good morning cobb the 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 dynamo from dakota uh sure yeah uh, so we're bringing an open lines for him today, yeah? What's yes, this is going to be a little unusual. The um, people I had set up uh, didn't weren't able to make it, so I thought we'd just answer people's questions on just about any topic other than COVID. I was, did Colfax's show yesterday on COVID, and, Co- and uh, Drew Colfax is going to be on KZYX tomorrow at 3 p.m., Right, and if you miss that show, you can always uh, go to the KZYX jukebox, tune in to the 3 o'clock hour. That would have been yesterday's date at the 3 o'clock hour and and catch that show uh, post-dated online. So the number here, everyone, if you have questions for our expert doctor in the house, Dr. Marvin Trotter, is 707-895-895. Two four four eight. That's seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. And we're basically taking questions on just about everything, uh, but COVID, which is kind of hard to imagine given it's like the all-encompassing headline. But we're going to seed this with a topic, which with Parkinson's you, disease. Yeah, you know, Marvin, my grandfather actually had Parkinson's oh, really? disease, struggled with that through my whole childhood, so I have a bit of a connection to that. And it's, it's a terrible disease. What it was what was it like for your grandfather? Uh he you know, he had the shakes and it just steadily degenerated over the course of it's hard for me to picture because back then, you know, time passed so slowly so it seemed like forever, but I'm thinking like fifteen years or mm-hmm. more. And, you know, he what was so challenging, it seemed like, for him is that he was clearly very cognitive and aware and yet trapped with his motor skills. He had a great sense of humor. He'd be trying to tell jokes. But by the time you'd get to the punchline, you know, the, the timing had been so off-put by his difficulty speaking that he was frustrated with the, the telling of it. Yeah, and the... the Go ahead. Well, the the part that I was going to bring up to you that's new, there's a film that I caught one time called Our Second Brain. And mm. it's, you know, some of the latest research in neurology and what they're talking about uh, is basically the connection with our brain and belly system, our gut system, and all the neurons and chemicals that they share. And the potential for early diagnosis of Parkinson's by doing a uh, intestinal biopsy, oh, really? as opposed to having to do a biopsy wow. in the brain where they wow. have to wait till onset yeah. of symptoms, and it's such right. a dangerous thing. So potentially, someone could be diagnosed and being treated long before they ever show a symptom, which could just improve right. their quality of yeah, life yeah. tremendously. 
Uh, but we have a call right away. Okay. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Hello, is this me? Yes, you're live on the air. Go ahead with your question. <laughs> okay, uh, speaking of long-term uh, situations, neurolog- neurologically, uh, I'm 70 years old, and um, back in the day we dealt with lead gasoline as uh, teenagers and such. And I was wondering about the long-term um, effects of lead poisoning in the system. Soon as how it, my understanding is, it goes through the skin and then into the bloodstream and into the marrow of the bones, maybe causing osteoarthritis. Okay, let's hear. Okay. Marvin has um, to say thanks. Oh, 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 okay, thank you. Um, okay, I'll hang up and listen to you on the radio. Okay, thanks. Wow. Um, I was ready for uh, all kinds of things, but lead poison is something that I've never seen. Um, it, um, it's the, the big thing with lead poison that I'm aware of is the exposure to children with lead poisoning. Mm-hmm. And it, you're not, your child isn't going to be so bright after you've had lead poisoning in your water. I think that's what happened to Detroit, right? Uh, or in well, Michigan it causes somewhere. permanent brain damage right. amongst other body systems. Right, um, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and I wish I, I just know I'm not uh, familiar about the topic. I'm um, sorry I can't tell you other than be sure it's not in your water, and that's why they took it out of gasoline. I could well, you know, I could share a story with you, okay. listeners and Marvin. This one okay. is a direct reference to the cosmos program that was uh restarted with neil degrasse tyson some years ago and a pretty good show and you can look that up and there's an episode in there it tells the story of this scientist who back in the i think it was the late 40s he was recruited to date the asteroids they had collected somewhere on the earth that they suspected were part of the early forming of the Uh solar system so his job was hey if you radio date these uh we'll have an estimate of the age of the solar system that involved basic exponential decay calculations so you track uranium and you track lead because uranium degrades into lead so he dated he knew the uranium content right away started trying to figure out the lead could not get a consistent result he went on an extensive quest always getting varied results figured out okay there's some external contributor here Mm -hmm. that's messing up my lead results finally built some underground lab where they had to decontaminate everything extensively uh and he eventually got his result they dated the solar system based on this decay thing but in the meanwhile he had discovered that there was lead contamination covering basically the entire earth except way deep down in the ocean and way up in the deep ice of the north pole but it was in the atmosphere it was in the ground it was in the surface water and he ultimately this scientist whose name i can't recall he realized, oh, this is from all the gasoline we're burning. We're no collectively kidding. poisoning the entire no earth kidding. with lead poisoning. And he, of course, was up against a huge lobby, not unlike the tobacco lobby. 
And they actually, one of the hearings in Congress, they scheduled it for when they knew he'd be at the North Pole getting his core samples. Uh, but he heard about it and went back, and ultimately all his research contributed to outlawing lead and gasoline. And within story. a few years, they were able to link the two because the amount of lead in our atmosphere had gone uh -huh. down so much no from that. And I don't know what the ultimate... You know, mental damages. Right. Well, to our you society. know, developmental delay and learning difficulties is the yeah. Thing. The the Cosmos show, folks. If you can find that episode, uh, check it out. It's a pretty amazing story. Oh, we lost that one. Uh, so if you get on the phone line, it's seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Just hold on. You ought to be able to hear the show in the background. Well, you're holding. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Good morning. Um, I need some advice. I have. I am trying to get a medical alert ID bracelet for the drug allergies that I have, but they're pretty extensive, and I don't. I'm, I need some advice on the specific wording. I have severe drug allergies to all of the antibiotics and. Family members, uh, Keflex, penicillin, ampicillin, amoxicillin, um, five I, I, different family okay. members have all done the same thing. And I don't, they are definitely severe reactions to the point where after administering the drug uh, between seven and ten days, I will feel great. And then immediately pass out. The last time I was admitted to the hospital, I was uh, 80 over 25. Um, it's the way my body reacts. I do. I, I need some advice on how, how I would word my medical. Warrant. I guess. I guess um, uh, the only uh, suggestion I have for you is get a medical alert bracelet. And on the back side, say anaphy history of anaphylaxis. That's what you're talking about when you say you have a low blood pressure anaphylaxis. And that's a lot of people get rashes or or wheeze or whatever. But anaphylaxis is you, is a, the extreme form of a drug allergy. And I just would write history of anaphylaxis um, from antibiotics, something like that, that would make people stop and stare if you have this bracelet on if you came in the emergency room. And where can people get I think you just fill bracelets? out, you can get a medical alert bracelet over anywhere. Like at drugstores? Yeah, just to put on your wrist. Uh-huh. Uh, but then I would write something on the back about anaphylaxis, because that's what you're describing. Okay. Thanks, caller. So, we are doing open line questions to Dr. Marvin Trotter. It's 707-895-2448. 707-895-2448 gets you live in the studio. Uh, meanwhile, Marvin, could you just outline a bit of what your experience and skill set is in terms of maybe new listeners oh. tuning in and what questions um, they might have I w for you? I was trained in, in uh, Dallas. Uh, I went to medical school in Dallas, and I got my internal medicine boards. Uh, in the Bay Area, so I'm 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 a board certified internal medicine doctor is what my training was. And you've been working in the in the ER for 30 years, and I did public health for 12 years. And 
Now you're working up in Kovalo as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Hi. Good morning. I have a question about uh, possible marijuana allergies and what your experience is with them. Uh, my mother, who is 68, she has had several episodes over the last about three years of um, any time she uh, eats marijuana edibles or uh, uses a vape pen, she, not any time, but several times when she did, she would pass out and vomit and just be out cold. Um, and then she'd come to and she's had various tests done. They haven't found anything wrong with her. Um, she's, you know, an old hippie, so she's been smoking pot since the 60s. And, uh, but, and it seems like if she actually smokes a joint, it's fine. But if she ingests it mm. in edibles, mostly, um, she has okay. a severe rela- reaction. Thank There's, you. Okay. Thanks for the question. There's two things, you know, I'm not an expert at this, but there's two things I would say is that edibles and vape pens give you extraordinarily high THC concentrations, and hopefully that's all it is, because if it was a true allergy, uh, smoking a joint, you would think that you would have some sort of reaction. But uh, edibles and vape pens give you very high THC levels, and people, that's the only time I ever saw people come in the emergency department, is when they were... um, coming unglued from high THC content. The other thing that you see um, rarely, but it's not uncommon in the emergency room, is cyclical vomiting, um, more in young people. And it's people that use marijuana on a daily basis, and they come in and they've been vomiting for three or four days in a row. And um, they have some sort of strange reaction to it when they use it on a daily basis. If they use it only on the weekends, it doesn't happen. How up to speed are our conventional medicine doctors in terms of administering and dosage of, of various marijuana products these days? Do you have a sense of that? Uh, I have no idea. Um, you know, there's such a variable amount of THC in which marijuana you grow and then depending on which edible and how much you eat, I guess that's the other thing. People eat something, they wait 10 or 15 minutes, it doesn't doesn't do anything, and so they do it again. And three or four doses later, they're out of their minds. That's mm-hmm. my ER experience. Well, welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Good morning. I was wondering if Dr. Trotter could talk about a possible relationship between the herpes virus that causes cold sores and uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. Okay. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Bye. These are some very good questions. I thought this was going to be easy. I was going to talk about things. Um, Never in this. this I mean, I thought you know between internal medicine and the ER and public health, I'd be you know this would be easy. Um, um, Herpes, cold sores, and Parkinson's or dementia. uh, I have no idea that there's a connection. Um, There's. uh, lots and lots of people have cold sores. That's a different strain of herpes than you get on your genitalia. But um, and lots and lots of kids um, have herpes outbreaks, and they don't know it as children. 
And the one thing I will tell you is when people get blood tests for herpes, that doesn't mean that you have uh, herpes genitalia or the sexually transmitted herpes. Uh, you have to have an outbreak to have that. And a lot of people are confused. You know, I talked to an ID about guy about this. They actually get divorced um, because they think that the person has been sexually uh, promiscuous uh, when actually it was from their childhood. Having a positive herpes blood test doesn't mean that you've had uh, labial herpes. I do not know of any uh, connection with uh, dementia. Dementia is usually two things. One is microvascular disease. You get tiny, lots and lots of tiny infarcts in your frontal lobes. Or you have, you know, uh, Alzheimer's, which is accumulation of different chemicals in your brain. Um, but I don't know of cold sores and dementia. I don't know of an association. Well, what it's becoming Marvin Trotter yeah. versus Google here. Okay. What does Google uh, say? Well, listeners, so in an article from Stat News dated May 6, 2020, they're talking about um, herpes, the virus that causes cold sores. Um, and that the most common form of dementia may be linked to this common microbe. Uh, they showed in a lab model, I'm scanning this, that the herpes simplex HSV-1 may cause Alzheimer's. Human brain-like tissue infected with the virus became riddled with a plaque-like formation, the hallmark of Alzheimer's. Yeah. It developed neuroinflammation and became less effective at conducting electrical signals, all of which happened in Alzheimer's. So they found some kind of link between herpes and what it was doing to neurological tissue and the same effects that Alzheimer's has on neurological Well, I'm going to take my vancyclovir or acyclovir more frequently now when I have outbreaks on my lips. Yeah, so again, that was uh, just a brief news story from a site that I guess was Stat News dated May 6, 2020. So there's one there's thing a, when it comes to yeah. neuro neurology, there yeah. goes my brain, neurological issues, the research going on these days is so right. new that it's pretty amazing. And that was, you know, that, that film that I saw somewhere online our second brain did talk about alzheimer's and again a lot of it was related to linking the microbiome mm -hmm. the gut and oh, uh -huh. neural yeah, system it's all about gut microbiology yeah but they weren't i know but there's a lot of cause stuff going so on much as the ability uh -huh. for them to access the gut uh -huh. and get early diagnosis huh. of these diseases upwards of decades in advance well, potentially which is just you know huge for those degenerative chronic illnesses welcome to mind body health you're live on kzyx hi um this may be a little off top topic but did i hear this morning that the county is turning over the scheduling of the vaccinations for the COVID to building and planning department i don't think so but i, oh, I don't God, I, I, I don't i don't know um i think the build um don't i don't know, know. The count, I do not know of what, what the county's plan is for vaccination program. Yeah, I've been calling for a week now because I'm just about to turn 76, and, and I'm just trying to get, you know, I'm not demanding anything. I just would like to know what the plan is, and they yes. seem to be just uh, total stunned. The, the, the hospital doesn't know what the plan is either, so you're not... Uh, okay, 
Sorry. Thank you very much. I really okay. enjoyed that last little comment about herpes. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Um, yeah, and it, again, our show today, we're just because it's so prevalent in the news, we're mostly trying to focus on subjects other than COVID if possible. And you can tune in to the KZYX Jukebox, or I believe it's Mondays and Fridays, 3 p.m. Monday, Mondays and Wednesday. Mondays and Wednesdays uh, for uh, a program live at 3 p.m. on KZYX that's uh, completely focused on the coronavirus and local updates and call-in and so forth. And if you've missed it, uh, tune into the KZYX Jukebox and you can catch the program post-dated that way. You know, the the uh, herpes question made me think of how much uh, dental disease has to do with inflammation in your body. Mm-hmm. There's a huge correlation between bad teeth and your coronary artery disease. Oh, wow. That there's a lot of inflammatory reaction if you have all these microbiology problems in your teeth. Huh. And so having good teeth has a lot to do with your health. It's all connected, everybody. Yeah. You, you know... For me personally, and again, 707-895-2448 gets you live into this call-in show. It's an open lines forum with our expert, Dr. Marvin Trotter. Let's go ahead with another question. Welcome to Mind, Body, Health. You're live on the radio. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for your show. Thanks. Um, I've got a question. I would like you to address the endothelial system. Uh, yesterday you mentioned on the on the COVID report uh, about the endothelial system, and it seems to be coming up quite a bit. Could you educate us just a bit and tell us what you know? Okay. Thanks um, for the call. Yeah, the, I'm shocked. At the, okay. Your blood vessels are made up of three layers. The endothelial layer is what lines the inside of your blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, Roger Chatlin was telling me how um, COVID is essentially a vasculitis, and I read this article that said vitamin D um, may help you heal your endothelial layer of your blood vessels. So if you think about COVID, which is very unusual, I've never seen an organism that can give you a heart attack, blood clots to your lungs, strokes and ruin the blood vessels around your air sacs. And it's all... Just You said vasculitis. Vasculitis. So that's... Inflammation of the vascular system. The blood vessels. The blood vessels, right. Okay, go on. And so it's the endothelial lining is the inside lining of your blood vessels. And apparently COVID causes an inflammation there that gives you all these different disease processes, although it has this... There's the same etiology for all of them. Oh, wow. Huh. We got another caller. Okay. And what was the... the so the endothelial system... It's, it, it's is not the, a system. It's endothelial is the lining, uh, the inside lining. You have, a, you have an endothelial lining, then you have a muscular lining of your, blood, of your arteries, and uh, then you have an outer lining. So there's three layers to your arteries. And the endothelial is the, ins- that the... the middle layer is the muscles. The oh. endothelial is the inside layer, what, where your red blood cells and everything runs around. Oh. That's the endothelial Got layer. It. Okay. Welcome to Mind, Body, Health. You're live on the radio. Hello? Yep, you're live. Um, Go ahead. Hi. Fascinating show today. Thank you so much. 
I could hardly remember my own question because I was paying attention to what you were saying. Um, I wanted to go back to the caller before the last one, and where mm-hmm. you were mentally, you were mentioning dental health. Yes. Yeah. And I just want to point out that many, many people in lower income categories cannot access dental health. I guess dental health or mental health, um, but. Um, it's very hard to get good dental care unless you have a pretty fat income. And I think a lot this of people don't just neglect that because they can't pay for it. This is very true. And Medi-Cal, a few years ago, Thanks for the call. Uh, changed their coverage. Used to be you could get all kinds of things done, and then they changed it to where you only could get teeth pulled. Um, this is one subject that I'm sure will cause some reaction in the audience. Um, I'm for fluoridating the water. I was on the Redwood Valley Water Board for four years and tried to get this done 20 years ago, and people thought it was a poisoning of the system, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But fluoride exists naturally in the water. Uh, Hillsburg has been in fluoridating their system for decades, six or seven, 70 years. Most large California cities fluoridate their water, and it shows enormous help in children's dental health. So all this inflammatory dental problems that you're talking about, and children going around with rotten teeth, makes a huge difference if you fluoridate the water. And it costs pennies to do so, but most rural areas don't do it because of the kickback. The people don't want something added to their water. You said fluoride occurs naturally in water? Yeah, if you look up how much fluoride is in the Russian River, it's I'm going to say it's three parts per million. Mm -hmm. And if you get up to seven or eight parts per million, you can prevent an enormous amount of dental disease in children. Yeah. And so if you really want to do a public health issue that would have an enormous impact and make your children healthier, it would be to fluoridate the water. Uh, As an adult, you don't notice to speak of right and it seems to me like uh dental hygiene has been viewed as somewhat of like a luxury medical care for a long part of history in terms of insurance and availability and coverage and that's shifting in recent times i couldn't agree more that you know it's not covered on many insurances and even if you have insurance there's a limit and it's a huge issue Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Thanks. A rhetorical question. Why should the whole population, though, be uh, medicated for the benefits of a small demographic? I, and, I, yeah. I, I, I agree that there's a lot of pushback about fluoridating of the water. I guess if I could show, you know, this has been going on for decades in the United States. You can look at dental records and health records. For large amounts of people in large cities versus yes and no, California was one of the least last ones to do it. So I think if you saw that there was a harm, I would be very, you know, uh, you know, I could see the more of the argument. But it's sort of like, do you want to vaccinate the population? Not many people get polio, but you vax every, vaccinate everybody against it's, polio. I mean, to me... In my little soapbox here joining you, Marvin, a lot of these concerns, what are called for is a really excellent education system that allows people to think for themselves and gives all the information in readily available forms. 
mm-hmm. so people can understand the risks and the gains and, and help to make that decision and be a part of making these decisions about their lives and their bodies. Yeah, and I talked to somebody yesterday, and they said people in general are so much more skeptical about anything that there's a lot of pushback upon, you know, any With, with good reason, I would add. I'm very skeptical about yeah. a lot of things, so... Yeah. Another question. Welcome, caller. You're live on the Mind Body Health program. Are you there? That me? Yeah. Yeah, you're live on the radio. Go ahead. Uh, you're talking about toxins that uh, human beings put in the atmosphere or in the ground, uh, like uh, lead and poisoning, and and uh, I have this idea that. What we're, the way we're reacting to, to COVID is attacking the virus. And I have the idea that the virus is an extension of, of the Earth wanting to protect itself from toxic human beings. I think that's a good, good point. I've heard that before. Interesting. Uh, thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. Um, well... Um, can you yeah. give any validity to that? Because yeah. you know, I think I think um, I think that we screwed up the environment so much that COVID, you know, the the animal, you know, viral interactions that never would have happened if it wasn't for such a large population. Um, There's certainly been linkages and claims made far in advance of the. Uh, inevitability of outbreaks and pandemics as humans penetrate deeper into the wilderness and expose our populations to these things. Yeah, I always thought it was going to be a variant of Ebola. Yeah. Uh, but Ebola kills you too quickly. But if you had a, an Ebola that didn't make you sick, like HIV disease... That has time to spread before it kills its host. Correct. Right. Yeah, yeah it's interesting, too... Um, you know, tracing histories of epidemiology and, and the, epidemics in animals, especially, the or even plant diseases, has a lot to do with population densities because right. an illness then has that ability to spread. You know, and one of our main tactics has been social distancing right. and trying to reduce our population density in a very immediate sense as an effective preventative. Another, another poisoning thing that I want to make before we lose this subject is Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. Parkinson's disease is eight times more prevalent in Mendocino County than it is San Francisco. And it's because of pesticides. You have 50% more chance of getting Parkinson's disease if you use pesticides in your lawn. And your dogs have a much higher increase of getting lymphoma. And if you have a 70% increase of chance of getting Parkinson's if you use in-house pesticides. And um, it was a, I did a show once on pesticides. I guess the fascinating one was some guy was trying to make Dilaudid in a Berkeley chemistry lab. Mm-hmm. And instead he got some derivative of this. And people went and shot it up and they got drug-induced Parkinson's. Whoa. And the woman that was the resident in San Jose that saw these patients mm-hmm. and said that they're acting like they have Parkinson's is now the head of the Parkinson's Institute for California. Wow. What a story. So avoid pesticides if you can. You know, an anecdote I remember hearing once was uh, 
some ex you know again anecdote i am no expert on any of this mm-hmm. but what i had heard is uh it was somebody who had become an expert linking occupational uh tendencies towards various health disorders and they were making the case uh linking parkinson's with i think it was electrical work but my the reason it stuck with me is my grandfather was an electrician Electrician. during the electrification up in the midwest and i know they had tremendous exposure to things that you know many decades later were found to be very toxic where they've had to replace oils and pipes and all this kind of stuff well, and like transformers yeah. had a certain oil that became cancerous that they had to replace. And you wonder like how that. much pesticides they used to to put down all the telephone poles and stuff. Mm, yeah, interesting. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Hey, thank you very much. I find the discussion regarding pesticides and Parkinson's very interesting. And I was wondering if the good doctor could enlightenness on the effects of the use of herbicides like 2,4-D and 2,4-5-D in the forests mostly west of many of the population centers in our county and the consequences of, uh, of exposure to those things. Thanks. Yeah, yeah I, I, I wish I was more articulate about it right now, but I remember when that came out that they were killing all the oak trees with the hack and squirt. And I looked at it at the time, and that gets into the water system, and I'm totally opposed to hack and squirt. And it still goes on, and I don't know what else to say, but I think you're right. You know, it can't be good. Yeah, you know, the other thing with toxicity, too, and we had our caller questioning the validity of putting fluoride in the water system. Uh I think a lot of that concern, as I understand, is from other people not the caller that called in but that concern with like well i'm putting into my digestive system as opposed to getting it on my teeth locally because i know dental offices do applications of fluoride and toothpaste and so forth um so that's something anyway welcome to mind body health you're live on the radio good morning good morning can you give a description of what shingles is, sure. how, it, how it manifests, and, and what's the duration of the in, yep. uh, inflammation? Great. Now, there's a question I can discuss. You know, <laughs> I'm happy somebody asked me a question I can discuss. Believe it or not, shingles comes from your, your childhood when you had chicken pox. So believe it or not, when you had chicken pox when you're a kid, the virus actually went into your spinal cord and took up life in the dorsal ganglion of the spinal cord. And when you get older, for not completely clear reasons, you get shingles coming out to the dermatome or to the skin, depending upon which level of your spine was infected from the, having chicken pox. So if you come into the emergency room, you can have this inch-wide belt going from your back to your front. It does not cross the midline. So if you have a rash that's on two both sides of your body, it isn't shingles. <laughs> so if it just looks like a belt of blisters that goes around half of your body, uh, mostly you see it on the thorax, but you can see it on the face as well. And you get this, You first you get the tingling and pain, and then you get the blistering. You take a cyclovir plus minus uh, prednisone to stop that. 
The problem is, is that you can get what's called post-hepatic neuralgia, meaning after the skin is healed, you continue to have the pain. Mm. And a wife of one of my professors in medical school killed herself over this unrelenting pain, which can be quite severe, a year after she had shingles. Mm. And that's why I spent the money and got a shingles vaccine. Mm. You can get a shingles vaccine now at Myers Pharmacy or any mm -hmm. lots of places. But there is, but it's from having chickenpox as a child, and you didn't have to have a severe case as a child. It's just that's where you. But I thought if get you shingles. had chickenpox as a kid, you were at less risk for shingles. Like, no, nope. no, not at all. Huh? Not at all. You get chickenpox as a kid; it lives in your spinal ganglia for decades, uh -huh. and then. Uh, for unclear reasons, the older you get, your immune system isn't as good. Uh -huh. uh, it can erupt. It it travels out the nerves to the skin and then have the eruption of the blisters. So if I had ch chicken pox, like I think I got it when I was maybe eight or nine, does that put me at higher risk for shingles yes. in later life? You can't get shingles without having chicken pox as a child. But I had associated, you know, and this is where I play the uneducated public uh -huh. here. I had the association that if you didn't get chicken pox as a kid, and then you got chicken pox as an adult later on, it was more severe and you were at higher risk for shingles. But that's not the case? I do not know if you're higher risk for shingles the later in life that you get chicken pox. I can't answer that question. Okay. I do think that chicken pox... The older you are, the more severe it is. My son was completely covered with it at age 10 months. Yeah. Uh, he looked pretty ugly. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, that's where you get shingles is from chicken pox. Huh. So, but get there's the vaccine. a vaccine. There's a very good vaccine, and, and I would get the vaccine. Is there a vaccine for kids for chicken pox now? Not that I'm aware of. Interesting. So, at what age do you start talking to your primary care oh, for? You know, if you're vaccine? over fifty, I would uh -huh. talk about getting the shingles vaccine because I don't think I've ever seen it under fifty, maybe even under sixty. I saw it once in a twelve-year-old. It was very unusual, but it's mostly older people get shingles. So we have a caller waiting, and we'll go to them. But the the other thing you mentioned was the the neuromyalgia, right? That's like nerve pain. Okay, so post-hepatic neuralgia, right. Yeah, and then there's a, a illness we've talked about rarely on the show, fibromyalgia. Okay. That's, again, right. chronic pain that okay. a lot of people have. Maybe that's okay. something you could speak to if we have okay. time. Uh, and we've got this caller patiently waiting. Uh, you're tuned to KZYX. This is the Mind Body Health Program. Our host is Dr. Marvin Trotter. Uh, my name's Cobb. I'm engineering in the studio, and today we're doing kind of just an open... Uh, call-in show with your questions uh, relating to pretty much any medical subject. We're trying to steer clear of COVID uh, for this show because there's other time slots dedicated to that subject elsewhere um, on Mendocino Public Broadcasting. Moving right along, welcome to Mind Body Health. Thanks for waiting. You're live on the radio. Uh, hi, I'll be quick because I'm double-dipping. If um Dr. Tarter, if you and everyone and anyone else out there is concerned about hack and squirt, the killing of tan oaks in the forest, on a very widespread basis by Mendocino Redwood Company, please call your supervisors, especially our new supervisors, and call Mendocino Redwood Company and tell them 
that you object to this practice. I really um, beg the public to do that because that's the only way we're going to get any movement on this issue. Thanks again. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thanks. Yeah, we even voted on this. Um, do we have another call or not? Yeah. We okay. Do. Go ahead. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, check um, with yourself and the doctor um, what you thought about uh, the healthcare system in general and what you think a, a fix would be um, Medicare for all um, or, or another system. Um, Good thank you very much. Okay. This is a favorite topic of mine because it drives me nuts. America now spends $10,000. For every man, woman, and child every year for health care. Now, just think about this for just a moment. One out of every $5, it was only 7% or 9% was in residency, but one out of every $5 spent in the United States this year will be on health care. Not education, not infrastructure, not um, cleaner air, cleaner water. One out of $5. $10,000 per year. Canada spends 4500 and they have better outcomes than we do. We have a very wait, poor health care system. When you say 4500 Per person. Per oh, per year. person. But and you just we said spend 10000 in the U.S. 10000 per person. And Canada spends 4500 And the 10000 means one out of every $5 of, of public spending going towards... No, it. the GDP. The GDP. Got it. One out of every $5 spent in the United States is spent on health care, and that's ridiculous. And we need much more primary care and less specialties. Um, you know, it just is a very ass-backwards system. And fortunately, we have a family present family residency program in Ukiah now at the hospital. Chris Duell is doing a great job. Nice boy from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we need much more primary care, and we need much more universal care because it's crazy how much money we spend taking care of people in the hospital rather than upstream stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can talk about drugs and alcohol also. But I agree with you. We, we have a completely sideways medical system. And meanwhile, it's understaffed to deal with the pandemic and things yeah. like that. Right. Uh, I'd go with my soapbox for a moment, but I'm going to... We got another call. Okay. Let's hear what they have to say. Oh, we lost them. Well, my, my soapbox uh, that I recall yesterday... Uh, you know, during some downtime at the hardware store. I was just thinking, you know, there's this argument about, you know, whether or not there's going to be money distributed and how much to the general public. And people like to do work for their money generally. There's like a stigma, you know, no free money. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, well, gosh, we've had all this time. How many people could have been trained in to help with, say, contact tracing or some right. basic... Right. phone answering or something for a stipend related to COVID-19, right. and then they'd be doing super helpful, rewarding work. Yep. that would contract help. tracing is a big deal. Anyway, that was just okay. my brainstorm, but I don't know how it all works. Uh, so if you, you know, if you get through the phone system, uh, just hold on. You should hear the radio coming through your phone when you're in the queue, and the number to call is 707-895-2448. We're doing an open lines forum here for Mind Body Health for about 15 more minutes here on KZYX. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Oh, hello. Um, I'm calling about the old Puff unit way back in the 80s that was discontinued. I was there. I even worked there. And... Um, 
Dr. Trotter, you were there then yeah. uh, with the old community hospital next door yes. to the public health department at Low Gap and Bush. Yeah. And I wonder if you could tell us, I think I was gone then, why that PUF unit, which was totally functional, was shut down and we had to go yeah. through all these years Lockerville. of trying to get Measure B and yeah. still can't get one. Can you uh, talk sure. about that? Sure. The reason the PUF unit closed many years ago, from what I understand, is that there were strict state guidelines, and you had to have psych nurses and certain ratios, et cetera, et cetera. And it was staffing more than anything. I don't think there was a big rush to have it closed. It was a very modest unit, but at least it was our unit. Um, and Measure B, uh, I think, has great potential. I'm very disappointed that we haven't had more movement on it. And um, if we had better residential care, um, I think you'd have very few people needing a PUF unit. And this is one of these um, upstream things I could talk about. But I, but um, if, it, if I could, when you talk about why it was closed, you're saying there was increased requirements in terms of qualifications or no it just requires you to have let's say you always had to have three psych nurses on or two psych nurses on uh-huh. 24/7 they were having to pay people extraordinary amounts of money from Sacramento and other places to come up to staff the place oh. I think it went under because of the, uh, the amount of money it was costing oh and there wasn't assistance to help with that available or no and you know Measure B takes in $500,000 a month in tax money, uh-huh. and it's been years, and we still don't have a functional decision on how to better address this. Um, but in order I, to I, have... I anyway. It's not, I mean, are there options for rural places that have difficulty with staffing to... No, that's why there's so few. If you look around rural California, there hardly... Nobody has their own... Puff unit in a small county. It just doesn't exist. They can't afford it. They can't afford it. Right. Wow. Sounds like there's more questions to be asked about that, too. Yes, there's a lot of mental health. We should do a show on mental health. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Thank you. Uh, I would like to just give one little anecdotal story about somebody under 50 getting single. Oh, yeah. Somebody that I knew. Someone I knew who was in his late 30s that was a surfer who I knew huh. in grad school uh, had a rash, came in from the ocean, thought he got exposed to something uh, while wearing his wetsuit, and he had, uh, ultimately, he was diagnosed with a minor case of shingles. So he definitely yeah. did have that, but it wasn't, you know, the really itchy, really disturbing, oh, I want to die kind of case right. of shingles. It was a pretty right. minor case, so yep. I just wanted to put okay. that out there. And the other yeah. thing I want to mention was recently you had a, a uh, an intern or a doctor, a new doctor in the area on, and he was talking about health, and somebody asked, why would the doctor want them to calm down and get an at-rest blood pressure reading? And I didn't really feel like the answer was what I have learned to believe, which is basically that you want to know that somebody's blood pressure can come down reasonably because y- your vascular system, the vessels in your body, 
will become very brittle if your blood pressure doesn't come down, if you don't get at some point while sleeping or other time to a resting state where your blood pressure does come yeah. down to a lower so, point so, so that your the elasticity will still be there right. in your system. So the what he was talking yeah, I, about... I didn't, I didn't get anything like yeah. that from his answer. Okay. So I just wanted to put that out there. So working in the... Working in the ER, people come in and say, my blood pressure is 220 over 120, and they think they're about to have a stroke. And you see this on the ambulance. You know, you pick somebody up, and their blood pressure is something awful. And you wait 15 or 20 minutes, and it's 180 over 100, something much more reasonable. When you're 18, you have rubber hoses, uh, surgical tubing for arteries. And I'm sure my arteries are like PVC pipe. And so they don't respond as well, and more adrenaline, et cetera, pressure, your blood pressure shoots up much more easily as, an, as a 50 or 60, 60 or 70-year-old as a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, I remember that show and, and uh, trying to get at maybe what the caller was wondering about is that at rest, blood pressure is, is a baseline. And a single blood pressure reading is, is not enough information uh, for any healthcare provider, but what is tremendously useful is blood pressure and how it changes and how quickly, what the trends are over time. Um, if it does come down, you know what? Where is that baseline and how high is that resting baseline? And paying attention to that uh, can be something like in an ambulance where you're checking every five minutes, or is it something we want to check every fifteen minutes? But the the long term reading of those patterns is what becomes very relevant to healthcare. So by the means of texting, I'll discuss a couple other things. Um, Cotty tells me there is a chicken box vaccine. Oh wow! The first dose is at twelve to fifteen months, and the second is recommended at forty six years. Wow! It's been available for over twenty years. So sorry, what I know. And Yasmin made a very good uh, point. We spend way too much on administrative cost. Blue Shield, Blue Cross, all these people. Oh, yeah. It's like 12 to 17% of what you pay goes for administrative costs, Mm -hmm. the payroll for everybody to do all the forms. Medicare is only 4%. And if we had a single payer, all of a sudden the insurance companies wouldn't make billions of dollars for their staff, et cetera. Oh, yeah. There are those that argue that the the system of capitalism or other things such as that are themselves illnesses. Yeah, uh, I I agree. There's so many things. And pharmacy-wise, we spend $1,000 a year for every man, woman, and child for pharmacy in the United States. And there is a law that says you cannot – Medicare cannot do bargain shopping or ask for negotiations over drug costs. Darn. Whatever the insurance company wants, Medicare has to pay that if it shows that it's 4% more effective than the existing treatment. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, well, we're running up on the end. We do have a caller waiting. And I'm going to have to let you... Okay, right. I, I have some dental problems. I have to get back in town to see my dentist. Yeah. The one thing I'm going to leave you with is you can get blood tests. There's a, there's a CBS special on Moyer. The, the, mm-hmm. Bill the, Moyer? Bill Moyer. Yeah. He got his blood tested. He found mm-hmm. 76 chemicals in his body. Toxic chemical, like human-made toxic. That's chemicals. not there. Yeah. And guess what? The most common thing found in women was when they tested them, their eyeliner. Huh. huh. 
because it's fat-soluble and never leaves their body, even though it's used in tiny amounts. Wow. And so it's think, a toxic chemical. And I think that there's so much like this that we have no idea what our clothes are doing, what's, you know. Yeah. We're exposed to so many chemicals, you know, eyeliner nobody has any idea. Eyeliner can look so fantastic, though, Marvin. What? I mean, regardless of gender, eyeliner can look so fantastic. No, but I'm just saying that I think that we're exposed to so much and you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. So Marvin Trotter... Cutting out just a few minutes early so he can uh, get his teeth checked, he says, and maybe help him with a, prevent his coronary disease long term, as he mentioned in the beginning. Meanwhile, uh, you've been holding on the phone caller. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead with your question. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, another uh, shingle question. I'm 86. I got a shingle shot on december 15th how long do i have to wait before i can get my covid vaccine what a great question caller <laughs> as you know uh, our doctors left so and i'm no expert so we can put that out there oh he's running back in and he's running out again but i've oh. taken down the question and he's heard it so a lot of these questions are great material uh for him to follow up on in terms of finding guests that we can hear uh for later shows so it sounds like shingles and you know in general our health and how it relates to uh the up and coming vaccination processes and things would be a great show to have on the air okay well thank you very much cobb and carry on all right thanks Love for calling show. Well, we're up at 9.57. You've been listening to KZYX Radio. Our intrepid host, uh, Dr. Marvin Trotter, had to cut out early for these last few minutes, but we are doing an open call-in show, and we've got time to take one more call. You can put your call, your comment, your question out there on the air to uh, the county. It may be something that he'll hear as he's hitting the road and can follow up on with having an answer for a future show. Having said that, Loose Cannon Classics is coming right up in just a few minutes with Susan Jewell. Fantastic classical music, so stay tuned for that for a couple hours before fresh air. And we do have one call here. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. I'm going to be an angels advocate. I've been thinking for a long time that our region, uh, with its California bay laurel trees that grow all along the riparian watersheds, is a healer for the lungs. And it might be possible to use plants and herbs as a, an alternative to vaccination for healing for the COVID. And I'd like to uh, put up there the Native American ways of teas. There, there's uh, yerba buena and yarrow and uh, artemisia. We have antibiotics and antifungals and antiviral plants that can be healing and i'd like to have the doctor reflect on that i've i waited my time okay. to call up because uh, i know a lot of people just want the vaccinations but i'm a, i'm an herbalist and i'm allergic to penicillin and i'm not i'm not really wanting to take the vaccine to break my skin to introduce the you know germs from the air and the you know the whatever is out in the world your skin is your first shield against against uh, germs so right. you know Thanks how about things like how I'm going to cut you off there, caller, because we're coming up on the end of our hour, but a, a great point was raised there about the potency of natural medicines and uh, how we should be really looking into those as a society uh, for 
more help with all these illnesses. I know uh, just some easy examples that we've covered on this show briefly were uh, turmeric was very effective. We had a pharmacist um, talking about that once upon a time. Uh, in the meanwhile, right up on the end of the hour, folks. So thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Mind Body Health. Coming right up is Loose Cannon Classics in a couple of seconds. Stay tuned to KZYX.